Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO, and now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. Miller and Condon on a Wednesday, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KX and 106.3 FM. It's Trent Condon, Ken Miller, with you for the next couple of hours as we talk sports with you. On the BMW Des Moines guest list here today, we're going to be all over the place. Uh, We're going to start with a little high school football conversation as we are down to, well, the final night uh, in central Iowa and in on fields, rather, throughout the state of Iowa before the action makes its way to the Dome. Cody Goodwin from the Des Moines Register. Trent and I will oh, spend 10 minutes or so on uh, the high school playoffs, which quarterfinals is what we're calling them, right? That is right. Down to eight in each class. Down to eight in each class. So we'll get Cody in here in about 10 minutes or thereabouts. Stephen M. Sippel in his normal spot on Wednesday. Sounds as though the Huskers are going to have an opportunity to play some football here this week. Uh, we'll talk to Sip uh, about his Husker. Well, not his. Well, they, he covers them. Uh, but we'll talk. There he is. Okay. You think he's you think he's one of them? Yes, absolutely. I don't think he's as bad as some of them. But well, he's my friend. and It's I, not um, a real high hurdle to get over. Good, that's a very good point. But I also want to put this disclaimer out. He's my friend, and I'm going to have a bias towards him. And I, I like Sip a lot, too. I know you do. Yes. I know you do. I also like giving him crap. And you do. And you do very well. And so does our guest coming up at 1125. But we'll that in a second. Uh, so Sip at 1025. Bill Bender's here from the Sporting News. Look forward to Bill uh, and uh, coming in talking college football, but in particular going to focus a lot on the MAC. It's, uh, that's where he's based. Uh, he's an Ohio grad uh, and it begins tonight with a full slate of games on a, on a Wednesday night after a non-sports night and rightly so mm-hmm. last night. We get a slate of games uh, in the MAC, which should be, I think... Um, Good distraction for for some people that were uh, that are still glued to uh, what's going on uh, politically. But Mac tonight, so we'll do that with Bill Bender. We'll won't, you know we'll move around a little bit, but for the most part, a lot of Mac conversation. Cappy's here at eleven oh five. Centurion Stone of Iowa sponsors Cap. Uh, Tony Larusa was hired after our conversation with Cappy. So even though the news is. Uh, cycle-wise, a little bit old. Uh, Trent and I haven't had a chance to speak with Cappy. He went on Zubin Mahente's morning show, Zubin, Jay Will, and Keyshawn Johnson on ESPN Radio. And um, what did he declare? That before Tony Roos is all said and done on the south side, he will bring a championship to the White Sox. We shall see. I, and then an old friend of the program. Looking forward to catching up with John Miller, who's back in the game uh, of covering the Hawks and opining on the Hawks. And he will join us at 11.25. He was part, he's got his own podcast, HawkeyePodcast.com. I want to ask him how long he's been squatting on that domain, because I love domains, as <laughs> yes, you know. You do. So I'll ask him about how long he's had that bad boy tucked away. Uh, but he was also part of Hawkeye Nation's podcast uh, earlier uh, in the week, and kind of the same feel as I had uh, regarding Kirk Ferentz. Now I know... You know, a couple of days after the uh, the fact, it it just seemed to me, and it seemed to John that maybe we're seeing the uh, the end of the Ferentz era. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk obviously about the Michigan State game, college basketball. You know, I'm starting to think, Trent, and God knows, I hope I'm wrong, that 
Is Cyhawk in jeopardy? Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah, I, I think we are very much trending in college basketball to becoming conference only. Mm-hmm. I think we're really heading that avenue. When we saw the or blow MT, up. multi-team events. Which... Yes. We saw the blow up of everything down in Orlando, and, and that was one of the first major yep. dominoes. And though there are other places, Mohegan Sun out in Connecticut, Asheville has a big uh, tournament going there, and of course up in South Dakota. And did you see who uh, was the replacement team just the other day? I didn't. As somebody dropped out, South Dakota State. And they'll get their opportunity against Creighton in the opening round. Nice. So the Jackrabbits will be there also in that release. They uh, talked about the limited tickets that will be available. I'm sure mm-hmm. Jackrabbit fans are going to snap those up very, very quickly. You know, the Iowa game against Gonzaga, Cyhawk game, ACC Big Ten Challenge. Are those going to happen? Yeah. Well, you sure hope so because the schedule is as daunting for Iowa mm-hmm. as it's been in the Caffrey and it's not even close. And they, they're op- not gone. And they open it up with a couple of games in their own MTE that they'll have a couple of you know, tomato cans that'll come in and they'll knock them around a little bit. Get your feet wet and away you go. That's taken away, though. What are you talking about? 22, 24 conference games? I mean, mm-hmm. how many becomes too many when you get to that point? Because let's say it's 22. 9-13, and 13, and this year's Big Ten, yeah. is actually a pretty good record. Uh-huh. When you don't have it padded with the 7-2 and two non-conference, right. you go 9-13, and 13, you probably you could at least have a compelling case to be a tournament team. Will that happen? Probably not. So we'll get into that part of it, too. But yeah, I would say different. chances better than not that it becomes conference only and Big Ten being at the forefront of that. Yeah, I'm starting to feel the same way, Trent, and it's testing protocols, although, again, uh, not that the Big 12 does not have a good testing protocol. They clearly do, but uh, as we've seen with the uh, cancellation in Wisconsin-Nebraska and then Wisconsin and Purdue this week, not not that Purdue kicked the tires on trying to find a replacement game, but Nebraska did, Mm -hmm. and it was shot down, and I think one of the major reasons it was shot down is because of the different testing protocols uh, that the the conferences have. So, interesting. So, I want to run this... uh, this prop bet by that I saw, I think it was Peralta that tweeted it. Matt Peralta, my old buddy, Matt Peralta, mm-hmm. my old partner, tweeted the Red Rock in Las Vegas. By the way, have you ever been to the Red Rock? No, but I've heard nothing but great things. It's spectacular. It's kind of a, more of a local it's type of place. It's in Summerlin. I yeah. live maybe a mile and a half mm-hmm. uh, from uh, from the, uh, I spent a lot of time there. Um, when when I lived out there, it's really, I mean, the sports book is big. Yeah. You know, a lot of them have kind of... Um, Cut back a little bit because they you can, can put more slot machines. Exactly, you can make more money and uh, um, with with other games. But that's not one of them. It's really, really nice. But my point is, they came up with a prop last night that I, I couldn't wait to run by you. All right. I, almost, I was also so excited. I almost tweeted it to you last night or texted it to you, but I thought we'd save it for the show. All right. Now, this is going to take some time, obviously. Uh-huh. But all of the Maction games tonight, and there's a bushel of them. How many are there? One, two, three, four, five, six Maction games. Over under total points scored three hundred and fifty two and a half. Three fifty two and a half. Six games. You want to bet the at... over? It's it's minus it's minus one twenty five. You get uh, it's minus one oh five. You want to bet the under? I'm taking the over. I'm going over on this one. We've seen early season games. A lot of points are scored. Uh-huh. Tackling's not as good. Not fundamentally sound. And you... the weather shouldn't be a factor right. anywhere, right? Yes. Across the footprint. Yeah. Upper Midwest, very nice certainly for this time of year as we're feeling here. Yeah, I'm going on the over on that one. Now, all it takes is one 13-3 game right. to completely blow that out of the water. So maybe we'll need a, a 61-55 triple overtime game to take it back the other way. But 352 and a half. Uh, 352 and a half, yes. 352 and a half. Give me the over. First pick of the week. Well, some, something to watch as the night unfolds. I thought that was a pretty good, yeah. uh, a pretty good prop that they came up with. Anyways, a couple of other things. 
And you touched on this yesterday, and when you asked Zubin this question, it was it, 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 I hadn't heard it. Uh, the fact that NBC is is maybe not going to be the home of Sunday Night Football. Mm-hmm. You thought ESPN was going to get involved. There are a couple of major properties that are being bid on that one, and Directv is about to lose their exclusivity for the Sunday tif- ticket, and apparently are willing to lose that exclusivity willingly. Yeah, and. Boy, you just think about how many people have DirecTV oh, for one reason. Hand raised right here. Yeah, it is for NFL Sunday mm-hmm. ticket. And you take that away and all of a sudden well, you can get it with Mediacom. How quickly that changes. Right. You know, Time Warner and the other major cable outfits out there, Dish Network and on and on and on. You take that away, how many people are going to be jumping oh. ship? Now, the price tag is huge. It is. It's it's a big nut for sure. And then they, But they pass it on and those mm-hmm. numbers have gone down and, you know, um, DirecTV is going to be able to let half of their uh, customer service department go in August because everybody understands now. If you threaten to cancel, they give you direct or they give you the Sunday ticket for free, unless your name's Ken Miller and you've maybe played that too many times. <laughs> your picture's up in the customer service. Uh, Do department. not give free Sunday ticket to this, <laughs> this man. guy's gone too far. <laughs> you know, we, we figured him out, but anyways, you get my point. Right? Yeah, that's absolutely. a big property that may be going away. Well, and you wonder if this is going to also go the avenue of streaming. If this is going to be open, God, I hope for, not, Trent. It's, it's, it hurts my demographic. It does, but for the prime of the world, I know. And you I can get figure it, it out. I, you're a smart guy. You're you're pretty good with that iPad. You can figure things out. But Think I don't of, know how to change the channel, and I don't know how to record. Now, how do you back it up? There's just so many things that I'm so used to, and such in a rut doing. And I know it's on two two sixteen, uh, and I know it's on two twelve, and where the NHL network is, mm-hmm. and and where I can find the Discovery Network, and it's you know old man afraid of yes, change. I, yeah, I brought I it up yesterday, and you were the old man. I I'm was thinking to myself, yeah. wait a minute. If you think you're that bad now, you can put oh. twenty years on you. <laughs> you really start digging in those heels. No, I get it because I'm the same way as it pertains to TV. It, it's it's very rare in my house that I put my foot down, but this is the one thing I put my foot down. I need it for my job. Yeah. Wink, wink. Right. And it works in my house. Too. Yeah. <laughs> and this is what I want. I, yes, we can get streaming. And yes, I can find illegal streams and, and still watch it on my television. But, but it's, it's a, a latency too, fact, yes, right? It, th- I hate that part of it. And right. I've done that a few times. Especially where- if you're getting a text. Because I text my son. He's a huge Vikings fan. Mm-hmm. And he's in Sandpoint, Idaho. Okay. And he doesn't get his Vikings game. So if I'm watching the Vikings, I text him right away. And he's like two or three plays behind. And Dad, quit doing this to me. We both love Twitter. <laughs> Same thing. You have to take... Stay you away. You can't watch Twitter right. while you're watching a game if you're really doing it in real time. And I would hate that part. My favorite to tweet about is Iowa basketball. That That's my number one. You know my love of college hoops. Uh-huh. And there's just something about that environment in that time that I love it. I don't tweet a whole lot during Iowa football. Very, I mean, maybe a couple during a game. That's about it. The 20 or 30 people that we follow on me, uh, follow media-wise, yeah. they look after that for Exactly, us. exactly. I just don't, but basketball, I do. And to not be able to do that, to not be able to do it in real time, I think it would take a lot away. Yeah, I'm with you. you know, people that do it, they say, well, I just jump on during the TV timeouts and I'll, I'll do something there. Just not the same. Mm-hmm. Not the same. After a big shot and you get on there, well, then you're scrolling through it because you're three minutes behind. I wouldn't like that part. So I'm with you on that avenue. With DirecTV digging in, but the impact Ooh. for them. Ooh. I mean, they know their finances, obviously, right. better than we do. That seems like they would. I mean, think of sports you. bars. Every sports bar has to, has to have 
DirecTV. Yeah. And do you know how they're charged, the sports bars, for DirecTV? By occupancy. Yes. Yeah. And if your occupancy is 200, mm-hmm. they're charging you for 200 people, whether there's 200 people there on a Sunday or not. That bill for some of the big sports bars that I know around here, mm-hmm. $10,000, $12,000 just yeah. for a Sunday ticket. Right. That's a huge, huge, huge nut. And if you don't have it, well, can you be considered a sports bar? No, you, know, you have to have it. It's the yin and yang of uh-huh. it. It's the cost of doing business. So... Uh, yeah, that's a pretty big story. Something to watch. A couple of big, big properties. Like I said, Trent, I had no idea when you threw that out yesterday that NBC is um, at least going to have some challengers for their exclusivity on Sunday night with Sunday Night Football, and it's such a good package. Uh, it really is. All right, coming up this hour, we're about 10 minutes away or thereabouts. From our friend Stephen M. Sipple from the Lincoln Journal Star. It's Northwestern and Nebraska this week. That promises to be a pretty fun game. What time is that one? Please fall in the middle of the afternoon in between Iowa and Iowa State. Uh, no. 11 o'clock in the morning. That's too bad. Anyways, we'll we'll uh, find some time to, to watch that one. Let's get Cody Goodwin in here from the Des Moines Register. Quarterfinal weekend. Uh, have you checked the forecast, by the way? TC? Looking great. 75 degrees during the day, yes. dropping to the 50s at night. That's football weather. Indeed. It might be too hot for football weather, <laughs> me, uh, spe- uh, specifically second th- uh, Friday in November. Hi, Cody. Trent and Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you? I'm doing good, guys. How are you doing? Doing pretty well. So let's uh, let's get. Uh, I want to start with the Valley Dowling because it seems to me um, that the role the roles are kind of reversed. And I'll and to tell you where I'm going. Valley usually is ready right off that. Right, they're usually ready to play their best football early in the season. And seemingly, at least to me, Wilson teams get better as the season goes on. Valley seems to be in that role this year because Valley struggled out of the gate and they're playing their best football uh, as they peak into peak uh, towards the playoffs. Does it feel that way to you, Cody? Maybe a little bit. Um, I think you still probably need to give Dowling a little bit of credit for the improvements they've made. Um, you know, they've been working with kind of a two quarterback system. They, you know, have kind of cycled through a handful of different running backs as the year has gone on and um, you know, they've got a couple of Roosevelt guys now in the mix that are playing yep. some good snaps for them. I mean, this is a team that, you know, I mean, they've got Andrew Lynch back, you know, he's their star tight end. He's been kind of on and off with some injuries throughout the year. You know, that, that more and more, as we see this Dowling team play that loss to Johnston earlier in the year kind of, kind of looks more like an outlier than maybe, you know, Oh, Hey, how vulnerable is this Dowling team? I think they're maybe still vulnerable than some Dowling teams from years past, but, um, you know, we probably aren't paying as much attention to them because um, this year, just because of, you know, Ankeny's lighting up the scoreboard, Waukee's a very intriguing team, Southeast Polk obviously has run the table, and then, like you mentioned, West Des Moines Valley, they've really figured some things out these last few weeks, and really, I think you can go back to their, um, this would have been their week six game against Waukee, where, you know, it seemed like they were able to put some really good things together. I know they really struggled out of the gate when it came to, um, you know, some offensive blind play and maybe just, you know, chemistry on the whole. Because I, I, people got to remember, and, you know, maybe this was something that we didn't take. And I say we, you know, the Des Moines Register, we do our rankings every week, or at least we did through the regular season. Um, you know, they had to break in 22 brand new starters. That's a very hard thing to do at any level of football. Um, you know, and it maybe seems like over the last few weeks, they've really figured some things out. I was at that game last week against Urbandale, and that was a totally different Valley team than the one I watched in week one when they beat Des Moines Roosevelt. I mean, this, I, I think there's something to that theory that Valley has steadily made strides. I think Dowling has too. And I think this is, this is going to be a totally different game than what we saw in week two. 
Let's jump over. You mentioned uh, Waukee earlier. Let's jump into their matchup with Ankeny as they get their second opportunity against the Hawks. Got them in the first one in a game that was tight, 21-17. Waukee with the win. And uh, Ankeny now, full complement of players at the time. Arlen Bruce IV wasn't with the team, or at least playing with the team. That offense is outstanding. The offensive line has really come together very quickly here. What do you see in the rematch with Waukee and Ankeny? Yeah, I, th- I see two teams that have made a lot of strides, I th- mo- mostly offensively, but I, there's something to be said about the way that both defenses have been playing as well. I know maybe Waukee's defense, um, you know, maybe a little bit more vulnerable when it comes to, you know, big plays, um, you know, but they got, you know, they got some speedy guys back there, you know, Aaron Smith. I mean, he's been having a tremendous season and he's, you know, primarily, um, you know, I think he's going to go play defensive back at the next level. I'm not 100% sure. I don't even know if those plans are sorted out yet for him. But, um, you know, to have that kind of speed in the back, um, you wonder how much of a difference that's going to make against a team like Kenny that absolutely has the big play threat. But, um, you know, like you said, they have Arlen Bruce now in tow. Um, you know, I think that the key for this game um, which I, in that first matchup, Ankeny went six of 15 on third down, which isn't, I mean, it's not bad, but, um, you know, they maybe need to do a little bit more. They maybe need to do a little bit better there. Um, you know, at the same time, Waukee went like, I think five of 17, it was something similar, um, you know, but they also went four of four on fourth down. Um, Ankeny committed a lot of penalties that first time around, um, you know, just kind of small things here and there that left the window open for Waukee to score, you know, two touchdowns in the fourth quarter and ultimately win that game. Um, you know, I expect a lot of fireworks this time around. I think Ankeny might get them this time around just because I think adding Arlen Bruce to that offense, I mean, it just opens up so much more for every other playmaker. And they, they had plenty of them before he even gained his eligibility. You know, there's Colin Kadoff, there's Brody Brecht, Weston Folk. Um, you know, you can go up and down the line. There, you know, Jace Bauer is a threat to run it. If, and if somehow all of those guys are covered, um, you know, there, there's just there's a lot of weapons on that Ankeny team. Um, you know, and adding Arlen Bruce to the fold, I, it's just, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's an impossible task for any opposing defense, but it's, it's definitely a really hard one. Um, you know, that, that might be the one to watch here in Central Iowa. I know there's a lot of people that are going to be interested in Valley Dowling, but that uh-huh. Ankeny Waukee game, I think, here in Central Iowa is going to be the most interesting one. So Southeast Polk will probably have their way with Kennedy. I think so. Yeah, I, you know, I, and this is not a, not a knock on Kennedy at all, but that's just that kind of speaks to how good we think Southeast Polk is, right? They just they've got the offensive line, they've got the quarterback, they've got the the complement of playmakers on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, that's another team where you know the offense gets a lot of love, but the defense has been playing very very well um, in recent weeks. Um, so I, I, that's a tall task for Kennedy. Um, you know, especially you know driving over two hours to play the top ranked team at you know on the road. Um, you know, I, I like the Rams to that win that one pretty handily. So let's say the favorites win in 4A, and they're going to reseed it or repot it when we get to the semifinals in the Dome. Iowa City West in that matchup of undefeated, they win. Southeast Polk wins, Dowling wins, and Ankeny wins. At least according to the BC Moore rankings, they are favored in that game. How do you see this thing? Do, you, do we have two undefeateds, the two remaining undefeateds, playing a semifinal? Mm-hmm. Do you change that up a little bit? How would you put it together? Great question. Um... Man, so I was actually thinking about this earlier today, um, and I think there is very much an out, there, there, there's an outside shot here that I think Iowa City West might be considered. You know, whoever wins between West and Pleasant Valley mm-hmm. um, might be considered the two seed. Um, you know, I think there's something to the idea of them going undefeated. Um, West looks very, very impressive. I think Pleasant Valley does too. I, I'd probably give West the nod in in that matchup. 
Um, but whoever wins is, you know, West is either going to be seven and zero or Pleasant Valley is going to be ten and zero. And I think the association is going to look at that and say, hey, they, they probably earn the benefit of the doubt and will be, you know, considered the two or the three seed. So they'll be in that matchup, um, you know. And if all other seeds hold, and we're talking Polk, Ankeny, Dowling get through, um, you know, the winner of West Pleasant Valley might very well have to play Ankeny, and then you, that would set you up with Southeast Polk, Dowling. Um, I think in the other semifinal, that's at least the way I think it might look. I mean, I could be totally off here, and you know, if if all the seeds hold. At least the the you know the teams that we think are seated what they are. It could be Polk versus the winner of West Pleasant Valley, and then you'd have Ankeny Dowling in the other semifinal. I, there's there's a couple different possibilities here, but I think being undefeated coming out of Eastern Iowa, that I think the association might give them the benefit of the doubt when it comes to repairing. Interesting. Two uh, A or three A? Any local teams that we should be paying attention to? I know Prairie City Monroe's uh, got to still be alive, right? Oh, absolutely. And well, Perry City Monroe in 2A, they, they are tracking toward and very, I'd say, I don't know if this is very quietly or not, but we, I don't know that we personally have talked about this enough, but PCM Monroe, they're tracking toward the highest scoring offense in state history. I wow, think after last geez. week, they're averaging somewhere close to 56 points a game. Um, you know, the record is 55 set by West Sioux a couple of years ago when they won their first state title back in Class A. Um, you know, up until <laughs> I, I wrote this last week, PCM Monroe, they won last week's game over Green County 42 to zero. That was their lowest scoring output of the season. Wow. Um, that's <laughs> yeah. So they're, they're in two way. They're definitely a key player there in three A, maybe a little bit out of the range, but um, Grinnell in the state quarterfinals, mm-hmm. they got a tall task against Cedar Rapids Xavier coming up this Friday. Um, and then a little bit to the north of us, Webster City. They're hosting a quarterfinal game against Boyden Hole Rock Valley. So there's there's some there's a little bit of local flavor. You just kind of have to go outside the metro a little bit. We got 30 seconds left. Uh, Roosevelt and North we're going to play. Is that still on? As far as I know, yes. I haven't heard anything to the contrary. Good stuff, Cody. Listen, we're going to um, pick your brain a lot as we get to to, to the semifinal and then to the final. Thanks for doing this for us, Cody Goodwin. Have a wonderful day. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. Cody Goodwin from the Des Moines Register, very much in tuned, or tuned in, rather, uh, to the high school sports. And you can hear uh, Cody, 6 o'clock, getting things ready every Friday night with the High School Insider with him and Emery, and also Matthew Bain uh, jumping in right until Football Friday nights. It starts at 6.30. And this is the final one for the boys this week. It is, as we move to the Dome a week from Friday. So Stacy will follow you, and Mm Stacy will head to the Dome, but uh, Stacy Lawful Holston Company will be fanned out throughout Central Iowa. Time for another $1,000 handoff. Text the keyword money to 200-200 right now. It's your chance to win 1000 bucks. Money to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. Hi, Stephen M. Sippel, Lincoln Journal Star joins Trent and I next. Miller in Condon till noon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 10- It's time for Sip. <laughs> Stephen M. Sippel from the Lincoln Journal Star talks with myself and Ken on Nebraska football. I mean, I have a radio show. We have callers. I pay attention to my Twitter notifications and all that. There's definitely some frustration. We talk corn huskers, and you never know what else is going to come up. With 30 years on the Nebraska beat, here's Stephen M. Sipple. As long as they're paying me to talk, I'm just going to keep doing it. Hi, Stephen M. Sipple joins the program in his regular spot throughout the football season as we... 
Find a spot for the Huskers with our old friend Stephen Sipple from the Lincoln Journal Star. Sip, Trent and Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you? Oh, I'd say good. Good. Sort of interesting. Yeah, it's sort of interesting. Uh, I'm doing exactly what I was doing last time I talked to you, but the game was canceled. I, I, I was driving out to Kearney to speak to this luncheon, this Husker luncheon that they have. Yeah. And I'm going out there right now. But last, it was funny. Last week I was talking to you, and I had to turn around. They canceled it when the game got canceled. Oh, did they? Yeah. But yeah, they did. I was out. I was pretty far down the road. It's two hours. And uh, yeah, they called and said games canceled. People are pissed, <laughs> angry, and uh, so we're just gonna not do it. I'm like, okay. So it looks like this week there's gonna be a game. Um, and I'm going to do this luncheon thing. Yeah, it does look like it, Sip. Uh, it's going to take place at 11 o'clock. And, you know, we, we certainly saw enough of Northwestern last week. I'm assuming that you, on your day off, you attempted to watch as much college football as you could. Did you see Northwestern Iowa? And if so, what were your thoughts? Well, I mean, we could do an hour on that. I, I, I Yeah, I watched every single play. I don't think I missed a play. Um, I was, it was fascinating to me. Like, well, well, one thing that was fascinating was Northwestern gets down seventeen to zero, and they commit to a bad run game. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I mean, they ran twenty-seven of the first thirty-two plays, and it wasn't like they're getting much. But I, I, I mean, I, I make light of it, but I was really impressed. I mean, talk about, talk about conviction. I mean, talk about trusting your mm-hmm. game plan. They got down 17-0, and you saw what I saw. Well, they, A, they kept running it. B, Fitzgerald on the sideline stayed positive, kept pumping his fist. We'll get back in this. And, and just the way Northwestern does it, all of a sudden, there they are. You know, it's close, and then they're ahead. Iowa can't get anything going in the second half at all. They get 104 yards in the second half. I think Petrus threw three picks, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, fascinating game. I just I was. I don't understand Iowa throwing the ball fifty times. I, You're not alone. There's no that I didn't know what to make of. You know. Well, now you get to see this Northwestern team and what they do in Week One. Well, Maryland, maybe it's the Minnesota defense, but certainly didn't look as awful as they did in Week One against the Wildcats. Northwestern then goes on the road, gets the win against Iowa. When you look at the matchup here, and obviously only having one game against Ohio State to see Nebraska side of it, how do you think this matchup looks on paper, Northwestern against Nebraska? Well, it's a good matchup in that, you know, Northwestern's a three. I don't know. What are you guys seeing? Are you seeing three-point favorite or three-and-a-half-point favorite? Uh, looking right now, three-and-a-half. Okay, so Northwestern's a three-and-a-half-point favorite. It's a perfect line. In fact, I tweeted that out. During the Iowa Northwestern game, I said, "Don't you have to make Northwestern a three-point favorite over Nebraska?" And if and if there's a casino listing, yeah, I would work for you if you need me to. <laughs> um, the I I think it's the winner won't win by more than seven. That's been the pattern in this series anyway. I think it's just going to be really tough. I I, I mean, if Nebraska's offense really—you guys saw the Ohio State game. They they kind of lack explosion on the perimeter if they don't have Omar Manning. Right. And they, I don't even I don't know if he'll be the answer anyway. They need him, Sap. They need him. Yeah, do they absolutely do. Now what and you guys know what happens if Nebraska can't make plays downfield against Northwestern. Yep. 
they creep up to the line of scrimmage with that very – it's a strong defense. I mean, it's, they're, they're linebackers. You saw them. Yeah. Where, we Fisher and Gallagher. Gallagher, yeah. All over Gallagher's the place. Too. Yep. Yeah. And even the walk-on is a good player, Bergen. Mm-hmm. And, he, in fact, I think, I think his name is Bergen. He let him – Yeah, yep. Chris Bergen. Yeah, those guys – so they're you know they're good front seven and if they, and if they bunch it up at the line of scrimmage, I mean I don't know I mean, I don't know what Nebraska will be able to do. Um, on the other hand, though, I can't see Northwestern pulling away from Nebraska. That's not that, that's not what they're like offensively. I don't know. I think one thing to watch is Riley Lease is if I, I imagine he's their best receiver. If he's not, he's their second. Uh-huh. I, he was standing on the sideline with. He got hurt in the game against Iowa, standing on the sideline with a sling on his arm. Uh, That's that's something to watch. In this pandemic world, it's hard to get information from media because there's a lot of media that aren't really covering teams that hard. So I don't know what that is, what that situation is. But, yeah, this is – I think it just sets up to be a a game that inevitably goes down to the last few possessions. Who's the uh, what? What's your takeaway um, on any of the teams in the Big Ten West? Uh, two weeks into the season, your thoughts on the West? Well, I it's hard to it's like I don't know. Like one question is is uh, well, Minnesota's defense well, I, stinks. That's one of my takeaways. Yeah, who, what's more surprising? What's more surprising? I'll turn the tables on. You. Okay, that Minnesota's zero two, or that Iowa's zero two. Iowa because of the schedule. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, Purdue Northwestern. Right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mich- yeah Michigan beat Minnesota, mm-hmm. but then Minnesota loses to Maryland. Yeah. I mean, Minnesota's defensive collapse has been astounding. Terrible. I don't. I, yeah, I don't know what to make of it. Iowa, Iowa. I mean, I think you guys would explain a lot of it. Just you have an inexperienced quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would not give up on him. No, I don't think so either. There's a lot of people that want to, Sip, as you would well imagine. But I, I think it's too soon. I really do. I mean, it's two games into his career. He's overthrowing guys. He's, he's just he's just got to slow things down. He's, the game has to slow down. And I think Petrus will be fine. I do too. And I, you know, I'll tell you what I like about Petrus. Petrus is very – he looks like a leader to me. Uh-huh. Right, at, right up until the end of that game, he was exhorting his guys. Even after mistakes, he stay. He keeps his head up. Um, he's a very, you watch him. He's very positive. He, I mean, he strikes me very much as a leader. Somebody taught him really well. The other thing about the league that's interesting not wet, not in the West, but here's what I would ask you too: If Indiana beats Michigan on Saturday, <laughs> they're the second best we team. We talked about Indiana, second best team yes, in the league. I think so. Yeah, I, I think so. You know, Wisconsin out of sight, out of mind, and we'll see when they come back. They're off again this week. No mm-hmm. Purdue game. What they are when they come back, you know, Mertz was a revelation in that first game, and you got to figure that running game is going to get better. Still, Wisconsin, but Indiana with what they'd have and a couple of those big scalps, they have to be in the conversation mm-hmm. there. And the the job there, uh, Indiana. Except though you haven't been a part of the Big Ten this whole time, you know Indiana football haven't been good since the eighties. And Bill Mallory, yeah, Bill Mallory, that's right. And I don't think Bill Mallory was. If you look at his record, it wasn't a great record. No. <laughs> it, it wasn't. I mean, I, I'm Kenny knows. I'm old enough to remember Bill Mallory, and it, they were fine, but it wasn't. A, I mean, they weren't. They weren't challenged for the Big Ten title or anything. You know? Sip, uh, I don't think. 
Take us back. Yeah. Take us back to last week and, and after we talked to you and the cancellations happening right at that time. And them, Nebraska, trying to get a game. They find an opponent. They have the testing, they think. They have all the protocols. And then the Big Ten ultimately says no. How frustrating that was from the Nebraska side of things. And the continued friction between Nebraska and the Big Ten Conference, is that more of you know, kind of media-driven type of narrative, or is it real? Oh, I mean, it's, I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, that was a, again, we could do a half hour on that subject alone. I, I mean, I, there's no doubt that Nebraska's frustrated. They tried to do it in a very reasonable way, and I think the Big Ten handled it pretty well, despite national reports to the contrary. I mean, it, I mean, I talked to Bill. Mo- we talked to Bill Mooth at length about it. Uh, Parker Gabriel, our beat writer, and I. Um, we had a long conversation with the Nebraska AD, and he wasn't, you know, Nebraska was described by one columnist as willfully belligerent, trying to put together that, to put together a game for their kids, very willfully belligerent. And, and, and I said to Moose, you know, I, I told him that's what was written, and he's like, well, if it's willfully belligerent to try to put together a game for your players, then yeah, I guess we're willfully belligerent. But, <laughs> He wasn't – I I don't think it was a bad interaction with the Big Ten over this. Uh, so I guess what I'm telling you is I do think there's segments of the national media that badly misportrayed it. On the other hand, clearly Frost was frustrated. And why wouldn't he be? Mm-hmm. And first of all, that backlash is really weird. I, I mean, I can't even figure it out. I mean, the, yeah, Nebraska wanted – they you know, they did seek an exemption – to play a game, doing it, but I don't. That's where I don't understand what. what why did the pushback on that? They wanted to play a game on Saturday. You know how gorgeous it was on Saturday. <laughs> I mean, Frost went to his kids and said, "I think we got one." Then he had to go back to him and say, "No, nah, the Big Ten won't allow it." Come on. I mean, is that if, if Nebraska is a little bit seen as a team that pushes the envelope a little bit? Good. It's, I think it's good to have a team in a league that pushes the envelope a little bit. Yeah, for the, for wanting to play. I, I'm with you. Sip, so last thing for you. Um, they're not home again, uh, Nebraska, to Well, they've got Penn State and Illinois. Um, will there be fans yeah. in the stands? I don't know if you saw Jeff Petrikas. Apparently he, had, he spoke with someone that the Big Ten is at least tinkering with allowing some fans in stadiums. We've seen it throughout college football. Uh, the Big Ten, though, is the, is the one that, as of now, not going to allow anybody. When Penn State rolls into Lincoln on the 14th, will there be at least some fans in the stands? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. I'm, I'm really surprised that the Big Ten, but well, we're surprised that the Big Ten is reconsidering um, just, just because of the way they've been sort of their leanings on this. Um, I'm a little surprised given the numbers of COVID cases in the country that are, and, and in Nebraska, it's pretty bad. I mean, there are, our numbers aren't good here. The hospital situation is not great. Well, I think it's a Big so Ten that, footprint. Yeah, I'm, so I'm a little surprised from that standpoint. But on the other hand, you know, these conversations are pretty layered. I, I don't think that putting 10,000 fans in Memorial Stadium on a Saturday would affect the numbers. I don't, I, I think you could do it in a very safe manner. So I guess what I'm saying is I wouldn't be surprised. I, 
and, and Nebraska would welcome the opportunity to do so. Yeah, I think I all. Uh, yeah, I think all schools would. Sip, great stuff. We will uh, talk to you. Uh, we'll recap Northwestern and then look ahead to uh, Penn State uh, as they will uh, host Penn State on the fourteenth of uh, November. Stephen M. Sippel, Lincoln Journal Star. Talk to you in a week's time, Sip. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you, guys. Take care. Yeah, good to talk to you, Stephen M. Sippel, Lincoln Journal Star. Quick timeout. Bill Bender, Trent, and I. Ready for a Mac preview as Maction returns to television sets near you. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, one Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM, this is KXNO. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. He's an Ohio grad. He lives in the footprint of the Mac. Well, the Big Ten, too, to be fair. But he's Bill Bender from the Sporting News. He's going to help us out with the Mac because the Mac is back, baby, in a big way tonight. And I, for one, Bill Bender, cannot wait. I know there's a lot of folks in the uh, same boat as I am. How are you, Bill? Good to talk with you. Yeah, you know, that, that 90s song, Return to the Mac, probably been playing a little bit. I mean, we're all excited about it. Um you know, it's a chance to watch my alma mater play, which is always nice. But um, I thought it was a nice scheduling move by them yes. to come back on a weekday. You know, Maxion's a favorite among college fans, and hopefully tonight does the points. They could have done it last night, but there was something else going on. <laughs> yeah, there was. You know what else? who else they're a favorite of? College football fans for sure, but uh, sports books and betting companies. Yes, yes. <laughs> Guilty. I love Maxion. I love betting on Maxion and yeah. something to get me through during the week. Let's start at the right at the top here, Bill. Who's going to be good? Who's going to be really bad? And we'll figure out kind of that meaty middle at another time. Who are the top teams? Who are the worst teams in the MAC at least coming into the year on paper? Akron didn't win a game. No, zero and twelve. Yeah, they they've got work to do. I think tonight you'll see a good Buffalo team. They've got two returning one thousand yard rushers, mm-hmm. including a kid named Jared Patterson. That's really good. Um, Unfortunately, this OU grad has to pump up Miami a little bit. They got uh, one of the Gabbards playing quarterback, and oh, do they? Okay, born in our side in recent seasons. Remember but, him uh, against Iowa a couple of years ago? Oh, the first yeah, his first start. Yes. yes, Trent. Yeah, he's he's a nice player. So I mean, those yeah. teams to watch out for, and then Central Michigan with Jim McElwain. Um, you know, they reached the MAC title game last year, and they play my alma mater tonight. So that's a good coaching matchup between Jim McElwain and. Frank Solich. Yeah, I'll say. Interested in tuning in. Uh, so, are the Bobcats uh, a legitimate? Uh, might they play for a championship, Bill? Uh, we're always hoping. You yeah. know, when your your own monitor's gone since '68 without a, without a MAC championship, we've been close so many times. And I'd say we. I'm looking at my diploma on the wall right now. <laughs> yeah, that's um, fine. Yeah, um, you know, and you're hoping that uh, they can get it done. Frank's done. You know, we're spoiled though. Uh, Frank's done such a great job with the program. And uh, Jim Grobe did a great job with the program as well. Um, and we're just hoping that uh, they go out there and have fun. They did lose a lot from last year, so it'll be interesting to see some of the new faces. Another team that lost a lot from last year, including their quarterback, is Eastern Michigan, a program I always keep an eye on because Chris Creighton mm-hmm. was the former Drake coach here. He took over an Eastern Michigan program that was as bad as you're going to find at the FBS level and has at least made them respectable. They've been to a couple of bowl games. Looks like they're going to be down this year, but boy... For you, you you know the Mac incredibly well, Bill. 
the job that he stepped into, it didn't feel like anybody would be able to resurrect it. The job Chris Creighton has done overall at Eastern Michigan. You know, I mean, one of the things with him is that program almost got rid of football. Yeah. I mean, they were considering getting rid of it. He, You know, they're, they're one game below 500 the last four seasons, which that might not mean much to some people, but at a place like Eastern Michigan, that's nothing short of incredible. And he's taken them to some bowl games. And then on the other side, you know, Sean Lewis at Kent State. I mean, they flipped from a one-win team to a bowl team in two seasons. Um, my wife went there, so... We do a little back and forth with the Ken Ohio thing, but um, I mean, everybody knows Ohio has a better journalism school there. Come on. <laughs> yeah, indeed. So uh, let's, shall we move on, Trent? You've got your full of action. We'll get more of it tonight uh, starting, I think, 5 o'clock, but that's um, uh, ESPN 3 or yep. Plus or something like that before it hits the, the networks. Uh, Bill, I want to ask you this. I want to start in the Big 12 with you. Um, I thought that, for Iowa State's sake, that uh, that Oklahoma State should they were able, had they been able to pick off Texas, I think that would have looked uh, would have been better for Iowa State's possibilities, and they still very well may, of course, uh, getting one of the two play spots in the playoff. It looks to me as though Oklahoma is starting to play their best football. Might the two heavy heads in the Big Twelve uh, might be premature to write both of them off at this point. Oklahoma State's got, uh, they've still got Bedlam to play. Uh, where are you on the Big 12, and was it premature to bro- to write off both Texas and Oklahoma because don't look now? Well, I think they're still in it. I mean, there's a mess of two lost teams in there. Oklahoma State had an opportunity, and, you know, any one of those teams with two losses or less could probably get to the Big 12 championship game at this point. Iowa State's still got that door open. They've got to take care of business against Baylor this weekend. I think Oklahoma's the team to watch, though. It's almost like when you – there's some teams that when they – it's out of sight, out of mind. They lost a couple games. Now the pressure's off Spencer Rattler. You forget that they're still pretty talented, and uh, they're very much in that picture to win that conference, no doubt. Let's jump into Notre Dame and their matchup here against Clemson. We know Trevor Lawrence will not play. I was still surprised by Dabba coming out right after the game mm-hmm. and saying that he wasn't going to be there. thought maybe he'd play at least coy a little bit and make Notre Dame guess here. Still, Clemson's going to score. Even against that really talented front of Notre Dame, seems like they can always find a way with ETN and company to put points on the board. Does Notre Dame have enough to keep out? If this is a game where you need 31-plus to win, can Notre Dame do that? They might be able to. I mean, you know, you mentioned Dabo. I mean, for all the criticisms of him, when it comes to player injuries and stuff like that, I think he's pretty open about yeah. that kind of stuff, and, and, and especially in this case. And I think that's just partially getting DJ Uagalele. Yeah, good for you. As close as I can be. Yeah. That's not bad. No. Um, uh, ready to go. And um, he played well in the second half against Boston College. I think that he will be their defense. And one thing I point out, and I think you know this, Trent, I mean, Notre Dame's played number one at home four times in my lifetime. And those games have all been just, you'll never forget them. Yeah. You know, Catholics versus convicts, Florida mm-hmm. State, 93, Nebraska in overtime, and then Bush push. Yep. So win or lose, I think we're in for one of those moments that we're never going to forget. It's going to be a fun game. Indeed it is. Let's go to the Big Ten. And um, your thoughts on Wisconsin? We know Nebraska didn't happen and Purdue won't happen. Uh, but it's it's not getting any better in Wisconsin, and the football program is is proof of that. Bill, they're on the precipice, I think, of you know one more. If they get below six, they can't compete for anything. Um, 
Big Ten is clearly it's Ohio State and Indiana might be too in the East, but in in the West itself with the situation surrounding Wisconsin, who might be the school that you're looking at coming out of the West at this point? That's hard to say. I mean, it might be Northwestern at this point. I mean, with Peyton Ramsey at quarterback, Fitz has a team that's won a couple games, and everything will come to a head with Wisconsin next week when uh, you know they they're supposed to play Michigan next week. It's just then a lot of things might come to a head for Michigan at that point as well. Um, but you're hoping they can get back on the field. But by the looks of the numbers, by the looks of the state of Wisconsin and, and the COVID numbers there, not going to be an easy sell at this point. We'll see what happens. Iowa 0-2, Minnesota 0-2, some disappointments there. Michigan already with their first loss to Michigan State. Hot seats are going to be different. Coaching changes are going to feel different here. If Fleck, did he miss his opportunity? Ferentz, mm-hmm. with what's happened this summer, is the end coming maybe sooner than many people realize. And Harbaugh, those three coaches and programs as a whole, Minnesota, Iowa, Michigan, just give us a quick overview of your thoughts on each of the three. Well, Minnesota, I mean, is Fleck's not going anywhere. I mean, they're just a disappointment from the standpoint we thought maybe they could jump up into the Big Ten West, but it just hasn't happened on the defensive side this year. Ferentz nope. will be interesting to see how how low it goes. I mean, he's obviously been there forever. They had a controversial offseason. And I think, you know, it'll depend on maybe where they kind of recalibrate their season to see. And then, obviously, the big headlines, Michigan. That was probably their most disappointing loss under Harbaugh last week. Outcoached, outhustled, and been out-recruited by Ohio State for a number of years. I don't know what the answer is, though, for them in particular. I don't know who the coach is. You know, you heard Paul Feinbaum say Luke Fickle. I just don't think that'll happen, given Fickle's Ohio ties. But... I'm not trying to start anything here. One guy they would have to look at is right down the road, you know, mm. Matt Campbell. Mm-hmm. You'd have to look at Matt Campbell wow. from Michigan if you move on from Harbaugh. Interesting. Bill mm. Bender from the Sporting News. That'll get people riled <laughs> up a little bit. <laughs> uh, Bill, um, I know you have a Heisman vote, and you probably went into the season trying to figure out who you're going to put second at, uh, because Lawrence seemed like an Oregon conclusion to a lot of people. I think Justin Fields has opened up a whole bunch of eyes, and Mac Jones likewise at Alabama, but more so Fields. And I think Fields is maybe... Like, I still think Lawrence is going to go first overall, but I don't think the, the decision is maybe as cut and dried as a lot of people might once thought it was. Fields is having a tremendous final campaign at Ohio State. Is it closer in your mind now as to um, when you fill out that ballot whenever you get around to that point? Well, it's too bad that uh, Lawrence is going to miss the second game, but that actually, if Ohio State plays all their games, those two will have even games. In terms of statistics and those kind of things, Mac Jones is right there. I think those are the three to watch. And then, you know, two running backs just to kind of keep an eye on as they pile up numbers are Najee Harris and uh, Brees Hall. Travis, yeah, I mean, he, he could crash that as a finalist, I think. And then I think Travis Etienne yes. quietly leads yep. the nation in all purpose yards. And he really has the stage Saturday night. If Travis Etienne has a monster game, I think there's going to be some buzz there. He finished top 10 in the Heisman mm-hmm. voting the last two years. I think he's one of the most underappreciated college football running backs of all time. It's still baffling that he came back no. for his final really season was. at Clemson. We get late night football, and it starts Friday night. BYU-Boise, a chance to look at Zach Wilson, another guy in that conversation for the Heisman. We get the Pac-12 pack, but it all begins 
with Pac-12 for brunch, 9 a.m. Pacific mm. time as things get started there. You think this is something that's going to stick for the Pac-12 and, and putting some of their more marquee games at 11 o'clock Central for us and 9 o'clock out there? I think they're going to try it. I think they, they've got an opportunity to try it. And, um, you know, just to increase exposure, I am genuinely curious about that game in particular with USC and Arizona State because of the quarterbacks and what Herm's done at Arizona State. And that could be your first big Pac-12 overreaction if the Trojans lose that game. So, yeah, I think that's a certainly something they're going to look into. We're all going to be very curious to see what Oregon has this weekend. You mentioned Friday night, that BYU-Boise game. Yeah. Huge. Huge yeah. for both teams. I mean, it, when I was younger, BYU was Boise in a lot of ways. They they were that school with the high-flying offense and could knock off somebody really good. And Boise's kind of taken that mantle up. So I'm excited to watch that game as well. Enjoy action tonight, Bill Bender. We'll talk to you in a week's time. Thank you for what you do for us. Have a great week. Hey, no problem. Thanks, Armel. Good to talk to you. Bill Bender, Sporting News. Joining us as we talk a little Maction. You got some plays for later in the Mac? There's one that jumped out Buffalo. at me. Buffalo? We'll get to that okay. about 11.52 or so. All right, going to make us wait. Yes. Cappy, don't have to wait any longer for him. He's next. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM.